Welcome. You're listening to this special fall fundraiser edition of The Green Majority. Uh, despite the fundraising status, we still have a action-packed show for you today. Uh, we will be, uh, well, joined specifically and intentionally in the middle of the show, but also just sitting in with us throughout, uh, first and foremost, by Leora Eisen, who is the director uh, of uh, a number of films. Uh, we've actually had her on before, the pleasure uh, of uh, talking to her before, uh, previously about uh, microbes. Uh, Leora is joining us today to talk about a new documentary that's on CBC, the Nature of Things documentary channel, called... Uh, so think like an animal and it's talking about how smart are animals what are the uh, parameters by which we would even go about assessing such a thing and the, I think the most obvious question which we will get to at the end of the interview after we talk about some of the mechanics is what are the ethical implications of this intelligence and what we know about it and are we even smart enough to be able to assess it very interesting questions with lots of inf- uh, implications. We'll get getting to that, specifically the documentary in the middle of the show, but Leora may or may not jump in throughout the rest of the show as well. At the end of the show, I am finally going to break my silence, and we will talk a little bit about you-know-who. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. I'm tempted to just replace his name with Voldemort throughout. That's, uh, you know, that, that might lead to some confusion, although also <laughs> intrigue. Mm. So, I'm a big fan of intrigue, as you know, Stefan. So we'll be doing that. And, and before we can get to that, though, hilariously, one of the one of the stories that I researched for, for today had a video clip embedded of it. And it was uh, with uh, Ban Ki-moon. Hmm. And it was, it's, I don't have the clip to play on the air, unfortunately, but I'll post it. You have to watch it at the beginning of his, his press conference to basically say, don't worry, I'm sure we can convince Trump to do something about <laughs> it. He, he says, president-elect, and then goes... T- and then stops, pauses, and says, Mr. Trump. It's the best. <laughs> he couldn't even bring himself to say President-elect Donald Trump. Oh, dear. Uh, and well, I just broke my own rule. But anyway, so <laughs> Stefan's going to be uh, – I'm going to be doing that more or less at the end of the show. However, right now, Stefan is going to lead us through some more immediately uh, Canadian-centric news. Uh, before we get into that, though, I will do our first uh, pitch. If you're just tuning in now, if, you've, uh, if you're tuning in just for the Green Majority, maybe you didn't know that this is the fall fundraising drive for CIUT. CIUT is entirely or very nearly entirely. I think entirely. I should have really checked that. Let's sure. say entirely. <laughs> uh, it is kept alive ex- uh, very much so. Is The, the lifeblood of CIUT is listener uh, memberships. Uh, this is a organization that allows for independent media expression, be it through uh, alternative uh, looks at music, political views, uh, intrigue, storytelling, uh, all sorts of interesting conversations that do not have a home in the traditional uh, and mainstream media. Uh, this is a, a way that we can hear uh, a variety of views. Uh, and I, it was before the mics got turned on, but the, uh, the ad, which our podcast listeners may not hear, but our live radio listeners uh, definitely did hear coming on right before the show. I think it was an excellent example of the type of <laughs> media that you will not hear uh, on regular stations. So the only way to have that is if you support it. This reminds me very much of our inter- interview with, uh, with Mike D'Souza, mm-hmm. which is this is the new age of media. Uh, corporations and, uh, well, media co- uh, giants, uh, newspapers are media agencies. Uh, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that much of the time, I'm sure they do their absolute best. But at the end of the day, the people who pay their bills are private companies almost all of the time, people who are advertisers. This creates an extremely complicated conflict of interest to bring you all of the news. So I think it is, a, it is an absolute imperative for a free and open democracy to have alternative voices available, to present other views that don't have to worry about who it's going to upset. That's what we bring you here on The Green Majority each and every week, going on now for about 10 Years, Stefan, the wow. show has been on the air since 2006. 2006, and we couldn't have done it without the support of CIUT 89.5. Nice. Thank you. 
I'm working I, you're, you're one of these years you're going to have to dress up as Troy McClure for I, Halloween. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> so we'll give you the phone number, and then Stefan's going to give you some news. So if you, please do call in right now. Support uh, CIUT during our fall membership drive. They've had a really good the, – uh, all the other programs that have been going this week have been very successful. We would like to make sure that CIUT knows that the Green Majority audience is just as dedicated as all the other audiences here at CIUT. So please pick up your phone right now. Call 416-946-7800. You can do that toll-free as well at one 888 You can also go online with a secure server at CIUT.FM. You'll find the link there, but I believe it's slash donate hyphen today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just go to CIUT.FM if that doesn't pop up for you. You can use online PayPal, Visa, MasterCard, all that sort of stuff. Very important to call in and support the show, uh, specifically to support CIUT, but also let CIUT know that you support our show. That's yes. very important. So without further ado, I'm going to have more information for you. We have like prizes. There's all sorts of th- uh, draws you can get entered in for being in different donation levels. Uh, the Anyone over $25 gets a tax receipt. We're going to sort of interspace this material, though, so that we don't drown out any one part of the show with uh, promotion because we want to make sure that you still get a good value out of listening to us today. So, Stefan, with that, please take away our national news segment. Yes, thank you. Uh, so uh, as, as you know, to prove further the value that you're getting from, uh, from CIT, just before this show is Democracy Now! Now, and they were talking live from Marrakesh, which is the – I believe it's the last day uh, of, of COP22. Uh, and they were sort of covering a, a more international s- sphere, obviously dominated by, the, by Trump's election. Uh, but – so I'm going to dial that back and bring it back into Canada. Uh, because you know, as much as as much as as, as I'm sure uh, the liberal government would like to use the "we're not Trump" smokescreen for the next four years, uh, I feel like it's a it's important that we don't let that happen because inter- important things are happening here too. Uh, and one uh, organization that is on the ground ensuring that the that the liberal government does not get to this sort of free pass by literally just not being someone. Um, uh, I, I kind of want to call it the John Tory pass, but that's a that's a Toronto-based joke. Um, <laughs> So uh, the is the Canadian Youth Climate Coalition. So they're a group of of young people who go to every one of these cops, and they, uh, for lack of a of a better description, uh, push uh, they they push the government uh, to 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 take better action. They, 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 they sort of break through this sort of narrative that is trying to be created that, you know, that, that they are listening to the youth and that the youth are, are really part of this by being youth, standing up and demanding more uh, from our government. And, and, cause, and it's, what's important about what they're doing right now is this, is this larger piece and larger question of where, what, what Canada's next say about year uh, is despite the fact that it's sort of you know it's going to feel like a transition year, everyone's going to be trying to understand what what's happening with Trump. There are so many decisions that are going to be happening in the, even the next week, let alone the next couple months and over the next year, that are going to matter so much for the future of not only Canada but of the world. Uh, that we have to understand now is the time to be making these calls. Uh, for example, it's 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 could be as early as next week that Kinder Morgan, uh, the decision on Kinder Morgan comes down for the Liberals. Uh, you know, so it could be as early as Monday. Uh, it's on. Likely that's that, that early because when is the government on time? Um, but uh, but that, that it, it, it's legitimately within the next few days. Um, furthermore, there's you know th- th- then there's the question of what happens. You know there's, there's reports now of questions about K- Keystone XL, which uh, was one of the few things we as the Green Majority got to broadcast live. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to break news when Keystone XL was rejected because it just happened to happen at eleven o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you know seems so far ago now, so long ago now. We're just gonna ride. 
that as long as possible. Oh, yeah. Stephanie. I'm just going to, until we break some other news, like until something else happens at 11 o'clock on a I Friday. I remember back in 2016 <laughs> yeah. when we broke news. Exactly. I remember that one time. <laughs> um, but it's, so Keystone XL is coming back into the news because, of course, Trump uh, actually wants to see it happen. And and you're hearing all these words out from, you know, from large, from not only, you know, the what you'd, some of the players you'd expect, like Rachel Notley, the premier of Alberta, but even people sort of like, you know the, the the minister minister Carr, uh, who is the federal minister uh, of natural resources, who comes out and says, you know, Keystone XL won't be enough. Basically, you know, they didn't say they'd approve it. They didn't say that they're going things, but they're but the the tone was that even if Keystone XL got approved, they still would really they still want Energy East or Kinder Morgan, uh, and it wouldn't be satisfactory. Uh, which, which is the exact wrong kind of language we need to be hearing right now. Uh, it faced with a with a with a scenario of any oil infrastructure is 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 sunk is a sunk is a is a lost is lost money. Uh, any any oil infrastructure at this point, if we accept uh, you know the two degrees warming, which we're, again this is. Here is a government that is at a conversation, a global conversation, to keep emissions below two degrees, and then at home is having the conversation that one pipeline will not be satisfactory. We need two or three. Yeah. And these two conversations show a, uh, a divide in the understanding of facts – uh, that we as Canadians, I'm sure to some extent, like to feel relatively smug about the, you know, we're not Trump, we don't, ha- we don't have any sort of that, and yet the same sort of thing is happening just more subtly here. Uh, you know, that we're refusing to have this kind of conversation, um, and we're seeing this sort of, this fact that these, 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 the needing to get resources to market, said in square, in scare quotes, is going to, forgive my pun, trump the need to, uh, the, the need to actually get real action on climate change. And then, it's like compar- comparing something, uh, comparing any sort of climate policy to Trump is kind of like saying, "Hey, I'm not racist. I've never shot any minorities." Yeah, it's like it's a very. It's, it's, that's it's a, like the bar is so low that it's 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 indicative of just how either dishonest or misinformed you are to even use that as a reference point. Well, it, it's just not a useful reference point. If we're trying to actually get action on climate change, the the action that is already happening. I, I had a conversation yesterday with someone being like, "Well, what do you think? What could he do in four years?" And I'm like, it, "It's it to me. It has less to do with." I know I'm jumping your head we'll come back to can in half a second but it has less to do with the fact that you're looking at what's going to happen what he could do in the next four years and more to that we don't have four years to spare doing nothing uh and so if anything uh, his election is 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 a galvanizing point for the rest of the world to understand that we have to hold our governments accountable because we're going to have to find a way to keep us going for the next four years to, until america gets back on side um you know knock on wood that that actually happens but you know it, it's a it's a completely different kind of conversation uh, and to bring it back to Canada and back to sort of the ways that while we're pretending to have this conversation and we're going to these these you know we're saying we're back at you know and we're like we're we're really raw raw yes we're going to have climate conversations and yet yeah, that doesn't match our reality. There's like an, a new report came out quite recently that showed that we're still giving three point three billion dollars of fossil fuel subsidies uh, in in Canada. Mm-hmm. It, like we're like this current moment where the idea of the of Trump, of uh, sorry of, of Trudeau's uh, cl- national climate uh, tax 
you know, national carbon tax that will get up to fifty dollars a ton. At the current moment, uh, this report that just recently came out shows that we're at we're currently paying polluters nineteen dollars a ton to pollute. So you know, even if you get up to fifty dollars a ton of car- of quote unquote carbon tax or price on carbon, you're still that's. In what other area would you say I'm going to give you fifty dollars or give you nineteen dollars to do this, but also charge you fifty dollars not to? This is only this is only done uh, as a way to. And and, the, and what's interesting about this is that it, it gets easily lost because it's hard to really target exactly the ways these fossil fuel these these types of funding happens, these subsidies happen because they're always in things that no one thinks about, right? They're for the exploration and production of oil and gas in Canada in the form of a generous preferential tax deductions and other fiscal measures. You know these. These aren't things that are just very obvious and point to, and they hide them in places. And so it takes these kind of reports to sort of dig them out. You know, another place that uh, where a lot of the a lot of subsidies come from is is subsidizing plane travel. You know, and everyone thinks, oh, I want plane travel to be cheap. But the same point is, a lot of the money we're giving we're giving fossil fuels is from the fact that we're subsidizing people to fly around whenever they feel like it. And it's we just can't be having we're having two conversations, and and I think that's it. Like if you want to understand why you know places like CIUT matter, uh, or places why community radio matters, or places why uh, why, why any anyone trying to actually ta- tell the truth or talk to speak truth to power matter, it's this larger question, this larger discussion of how do we get back to ha- living in one world. You know, how do we get back to living in one place where everyone accepts the same subset of things, where everyone is working off the same, like where the same information is 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 even is even disseminated? Mm. You know, it, it's it's one thing it's one thing to have different views on one fact. It's another thing to make up facts, um, and or, or or to or to or to shape conversations that so divide. Uh, you know, like the fact that the business and environment section in newspapers are separate speaks to the fact that we pretend that they're two different things and not strictly interlinked. And if you don't have programs uh, like this one or like Democracy Now! trying to actually bring those two sections back together to actually have a conversation about the world we live in and not pretend that we live in one world that's dominated by GDP and one world that's dominated by two degrees of global warming and they're, act- and they're two separate worlds, uh, we- we'll never get anywhere. Uh, and so if there's a reason to support CIUT, it is to encourage these kind of conversations and give us a place uh, to, to, to bring these two worlds together and have a conversation about one world. Do you want to uh, – can you – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-go through the information here uh, for a second. Can you grab that Obama uh, quote yes, as well? Because I, I thought that was really key. So uh, Obama – forget. you'll have to, you'll have to let yeah. me know in a second here where it came from. But I think it really – I mean as, as much as I have reservations about uh, many of Obama's policies taken in isolation, when, when used to be compared against other fair to compare him to politicians – it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot to dislike, but that's sort of compared to the <laughs> ideal, I think. Right. Uh, in the real world, I think that he's significantly better than most. And one of the things is that he's extremely good order. That's part of one of the reasons that he won. Hmm. Uh, so in a second, you're going to read a quote and we'll talk about that really quickly. I think before we probably, yeah, before we go to our break here really quickly, but so this will be the last, uh, uh pitch before this break. We're going to come back in a minute and talk to Leora Eisen about, uh, the documentary, uh, about communicating with animals and analyzing, uh, animal intelligence in just a minute. 
it. This will be a great opportunity for you during this music break, though, to call in and show your support for CIUT. Uh, as we were saying, this is the fall membership drive if you're just tuning in. And CIUT is made possible by listeners like you. In fact, it is not possible without listeners like you. So if you appreciate the work that we do here, if you'd like to hear more, and more importantly, if you maybe you agree with us completely all of the time, and you're like, <laughs> man, why don't more people know this stuff? Because I'm so right, and so are those guys. Uh, that's a great way to do it because uh, radio goes, you know, permeates. People randomly tune into radio. People don't usually randomly read blogs on websites. They don't. They don't right. follow. But they might turn on the radio. They might learn something, and they might hear an idea, even if we don't change their mind. That makes them think enough that maybe it's that little first little chip in the wall. So this is a really great and very unique opportunity to try and get out some of this information. So you can call right now and support us by calling 416-946-7800. You can also call toll free at one 204 Eight nine seven six, or go online at ciut.fm. Any ta- uh, donation over twenty five dollars will receive a tax receipt, which is the closest thing we're ever going to get to government subsidy <laughs> for this program. And you can become an actual official CIUT voting member starting at uh, eighty nine fifty a year. That's an annual membership. Gets you entry into a grand draw. You get voting rights at CIUT, all sorts of uh, uh, perks and stuff like that as well. There are also additional prizes going up from that amount. One hundred and twenty. You also get uh, a campaign T shirt. Uh, there are also opportunities to win, uh, get multiple entries into the grand prize draw, which is pretty exceptional. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All sorts of wonderful other things. There's also a matching uh, gift matching program, which you can use to sign up with your uh, employer as well. So the idea, uh, get them to commit to, you know, for every dollar raise that they'll throw in a dollar sort of thing like that as well. Hopefully, you know, $200 or larger uh, as well, but everything helps and you can do that right now. So before we go to our break, we're going to do Stefan, you're going to read that real quote real quick. Uh, yeah. And then Alex will uh, maybe have a word of appeal before you uh, are tech as well before uh, throwing to our music break. Yeah, so this is Obama uh, co- uh, quoted in the, in the New Yorker. Uh, talking about the new media, me, the new media ecosystem uh, means that everything is true. A quote: "Everything means everything is true and nothing is true." Uh, an explanation of climate change from a Nobel Prize-winning physicist looks exactly the same on your Facebook page as the denial of climate change by somebody on the Koch, the Koch brothers' payroll, and the capacity to disseminate misinformation, wild conspiracy theories, and to paint the opposition in wildly negative light without any rebuttal. Uh, that has accelerated in ways that are much more sharply polarize the electorate and make it very difficult to have a common conversation. And it's that piece of common conversation that we're trying to have uh, here and on community radio stations all across the globe. Absolutely. Alex, jump in, please, if you would. What are we going to listen to? And uh, maybe uh, throw throw uh, yet another reason why people should call in and support us. Thanks, Darren. Well, um, this band is uh, going to tell you how much you should donate. They're called $100. Um, And this is a song... You can round it out at $89.50. You can get your annual membership. Yeah, there you go. We're giving you a $10.50 or $9.50 discount. All right. $100 thinks you should donate more. And uh, when, uh, when you donate to community Radio Everybody Wins, which is the name of this song. Uh, more information at www.ciut.fm. So here's $100 with Everybody Wins.
We're back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. The same CIUT uh, 89.5 FM you may have heard is doing their fall membership drive. <laughs> that drive is at $43,340. Uh, $43, the goal for this membership drive is $60,000. So for this program, we are hoping that by the end of this program, uh, which is a little under 40 minutes, uh, we'll get to 43750 So we're looking for about uh, – that would be about five. Uh, five people becoming uh, full members uh, or a little bit more than that. It's remarkably quick math. Any amount. <laughs> that's like the worst quick math ever. <laughs> What's my dad would be ashamed That's actually right pretty now. accurate. You're my, not that far off. My, my former math teacher dad would not be <laughs> impressed. Uh, anyhow, so there we go. So uh, call in with your $25 donation to get a, a tax receipt or call in with $89.50 uh, $89. to become a full member. It'd be one of the essentially five people we need to call in and do that to get us to our goal for this program. We would like to thank very much people who have already called in, which is Frank, Stella, and Tim. Please uh, call in now, and you can become one of the people that will be read at the next break, uh, as well as uh, perhaps getting a personal email from Stefan or myself. There you go, yeah. yeah. If uh, you maybe. actually leave us your emails, we'll see what uh, you Yeah, do. I was going to say. I just made that up now. So. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'll send an email, sure. Um, but on the other side, I want to say, if your name is Tim and you aren't that Tim, that doesn't you don't get scot-free. Yeah, that's like, right. Other Tims should still donate. Only this specific Stella, <laughs> Frank, and Tim are thanked. Yes, exactly. All, <laughs> each, all other Stellas, Franks, and Tims still need to donate. All right. So let's not uh, take any more from Leora's time here. We're joined once again. We had her on before and it's a pleasure to have her back on the program Leora Eisen who's the director of uh, many documentaries and films and uh, executive producer and uh, involved in all always the the film world and specifically my favorite form of film which is documentaries a way to learn something in an entertaining and visual uh, manner as well I think it's an excellent art form uh, you've done a lovely job with this one as well uh, so you're joining us today to talk about think like an animal please tell us what that's about Leora well, because even when we're looking at animals, we think like a human. And that's part of the problem if we're trying to talk about animal intelligence. Um, you know, why are we doing another documentary about how smart animals are? I mean, you've seen millions of them on dogs and chimps and dolphins. I'm not looking at dogs and chimps and dolphins. Um, the nature of things likes to bring uh, awareness to new research, new science, um, and there are all kinds of species that are incredibly smart. But the trick is, how has science been studying them before? And what are researchers doing now that is opening our eyes to uh, the incredible intelligence of other animals? Well, I think that was probably one of the most fundamental questions, which really got me thinking at the beginning, which was, how do we even go about assessing this type of thing? Like, how do you even decide which animals are smart and which animals aren't? And, and the trickiness, so why is that a tricky question, I think, is the, is the good place to start. Well, one of the scientists I interviewed, uh, she's this brilliant uh, researcher at the University of Lethbridge in Alberta. She's originally a Brit. Her name is Louise Barrett. And uh, she and her husband, another psychologist colleague, uh, run the Vervet Monkey Research Project in South Africa when they're not in Lethbridge. Um, and her whole philosophy is that we need to study intelligence in terms of what does an animal need to know in order to survive in its world, not our world. Um, obviously, her preference is for science that comes out of the wild instead of the lab because the lab is our world. And even if we try to mimic 
the conditions uh, of particular habitats. It's difficult. But in terms of all science, um, look at the animals through their eyes. And that's that sounds complicated, um, but it's not. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a researcher in the UK uh, who uh, runs the cold-blooded cognition lab at uh, the University of Lincoln. Sounds creepy, but it's actually – they're just studying reptiles. Um, <clears throat> she always wondered – why the tortoises and bearded dragons and other reptiles she studied um, seemed to perform poorly on cognition tests. You know, they just seemed kind of sluggish and didn't do as well as other animals. Well, bingo, they were being studied in labs where the temperature was at the level that's comfortable for us or other mammals. Um, but these are tropical animals. So think about how you feel during a heat wave, Right. Uh, your brain's not moving too quickly. Well, when it was too cool, uh, the lab animals were performing poorly. So she now yanks up the heat. And it is unbelievable. I watched uh, a bearded dragon um, perform a task that involved imitation. And imitation is considered one of the higher forms of learning. So in other, it's, in other words, it's not just mimicry. It's not like just a parrot saying what you say. It's actually watching another animal uh, try and achieve a goal and then figuring out, okay, well, now how do I achieve that goal based on what I've just seen? And <clears throat> these bearded dragons watch an 11-second movie of another lizard opening a gate, either to the right or the left, and then they do it the exact same way. That blew my mind, first of all, that they can even conceive of this. Um, but then you think, okay, well, maybe that's instinct or luck. But then they have a control group of lizards who watch the same movie except the gate to the worm on the other side opens as if by magic. There's no lizard opening it. Well, these bearded dragons all failed. They couldn't figure out how to open the gate. Mm. So you're seeing that animals can learn incredibly quickly. And so one of the other, I think, really interesting uh, questions, well, there's sort of a two-parter. One of them was that, you know, are we even smart enough to assess it? And I think, I think the question which we were already sort of answering, which was uh, we, we're figuring it out now. But I think – but we've been very overconfident and very sort of dismissive. And I, one of the things I was thinking about when you were doing your, your – the, the first example about, you know, how would we even go about doing this was – and when you were speaking before was, you know, if we were uh, – if someone was abducted by aliens and the aliens had a completely different way of interacting with the world, say, you know, they didn't see as we think of it, but they, you know, the, uh, it was all based on textures or something. And they plopped us in some alien texture maze. We would all fail it. And by from their point of view, unless they were having the same enlightenment that we're talking about here about sort of figuring out that that's not a good way to go about doing things, uh, we would all be, you know, written off as completely, you know, we're just, oh, they're just, you know, they probably don't even have feeling. They probably don't even experience pain. They probably don't have any, they don't have any alien souls because you're being measured against a completely, you know, different measuring stick. And, and of course, humans can design tests that we're good at. Uh, and to put them in the same situation, I, I think it's obviously silly, but it takes it takes something to sort of point it out. So when we're talking about gauges of intelligence, you were already saying uh, you know stuff with the uh, uh, gates and whatnot. Uh, one of the other things that really stuck out with for me though was um, was the disconnect between bra actual brain size and brain power. So the two that were compared sort of back to back in the documentary were uh, hummingbirds, not directly, but sort of back to back for ability to compare them was hummingbirds and and whales, sperm whales, sperm whales. Yeah, and I mean scientists are 
always debating this, which means when you're the filmmaker, it's like, oh, God, how am I going to deal with the question of brain size? Because there's just reams of literature on it. And I think it's best summed up um, by Louise Barrett, who says it's very true that brain size matters. You know, we have big brains and we have incredible abilities. However, if we end up on a desert island, that big brain isn't necessarily going to save you. Um, so it isn't everything. It's context. It's environment. It's how your body interacts with your brain. You know, with the rise of neuroscience, we've kind of focused so much on the brain and forgotten about everything else. But some animals have incredible visual capabilities, hearing capabilities, um, and that all ties in with what they're capable of. You brought up the hummingbird. A hummingbird has a brain the size of a grain of rice. I mean, it's tiny, but its memory is incredible. And I watched this in the Rockies, um, and there's a biological reason for it, and that's because they have such a fast metabolism, you know, you always see them with their wings flapping, that uh, they have to eat every 10 minutes or they die. So in order to eat every 10 minutes, you've got to know where the flowers are that you haven't eaten from before, and that takes great memory. Because that waste of time to go back to a flower you'd already visited could be the two minutes you needed to survive. Right. And there, I can't find my car in a parking lot. <laughs> it's a Tesla, of course, I need to point out, this, this being the green majority. But, um, you know, so they have capabilities that we don't. We have capabilities that they do. But uh, underneath it all, as Carl Safina, who's a very well-known uh, naturalist and ecologist, says – we're kind of all the same. It's just evolution means that we're specialized for certain things. But we are just another animal. We are not at the pinnacle like perhaps religion taught us many hundreds of years ago. You know, you have God, then you have man, not even women and men, but <laughs> man. And then you have all the other creatures. But then that assumed that creatures were automatons who who didn't have a soul, as you mentioned, didn't think – and didn't feel. And from what I've seen with everything from pigs to hummingbirds to vervet monkeys to sperm whales, uh, that's not true. When I think what it really comes down to the sort of the angle you were taking there about sort of, you know, our, our old view of the, how the universe worked is uh, thankfully coming apart and through science is becoming I, closer to the truth, which is a way a scientist would say it. Um, eliminating more wrong answers is what I think a lot of my, my science, how my science friends would, would phrase that. Uh, but one of the, um, the, there's sort of two main angles left. And one of them obviously is the, the implication. Okay, so now that we know this, what are the implications for ethics? So we're, we're definitely going to end up there because I think that's, that's the really big question here. Before we get to that, though, the very last thing is I do want to just jump in and remind people, if you are listening and you enjoy this type of uh, interview and you want to learn more, we've had uh, Lior on a number of times. And actually, our mutual friend uh, David has connected me to probably dozens uh, of interviews through the CBC as well. Uh, this is all possible because of CIUT. So please take an opportunity. If you enjoy the program, you want to hear more and you'd like uh, to show CIUT that you support us so that they, in turn, uh, continue to be so nice to Stefan and I. Uh, you can do that by calling in 416-946-7800 or call in one 204 Eight nine seven six. You can also go online to a secure server at ciut.fm as well. There's a link there. We've already had a number of people call in. Our target for this show is uh, to get about four or five hundred more dollars, which is only four or five more members at the uh, lowest possible membership 
rank that's there. So it's a really easy opportunity for somebody to to do that. If you can't get that high, uh, any amount over $25 it gets a tax sheet and any amount at all, even 50 cents, Stefan, is appreciated. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So let's get down to uh, to business as well on the, the final end here, because I think this is really the, so I teased one other question aside from the obvious one. And that was, uh, I've made it very clear over the life of this show, and I think especially clear recently, Stefan, uh, that I'm a bit of, in addition to being a huge environmentalist, I'm also a bit of a technophile. Uh, and so the thing, I, by the end of this, uh, it's about a 45 minute documentary. By the end of it, I started to be like, well, okay, with between all the things with technology and between all this new stuff that we're learning and between all this thing, we're learning how to learn about animals. Um, is it really, and I don't know if any of the experts mentioned any of this or if this came up at all, but I mean, you know, things about with like, with like great apes that they have like the picture cards and they'll memorize sign language and stuff from a technological point of view is the idea of actual more or less direct communication something any of these experts talked about or are, are we anywhere near do you think or did it come up like a hummingbird translator so we can actually do, like talk in a more conventional sense uh they're more animal behaviorists and psychologists that i spoke to so it didn't come up however i will say um that at least we're getting closer to understanding that they do speak they just don't speak in a voice like ours for example the sperm whales uh, they now have a mini-computer uh, that can record uh, the actual conversation sperm whales have way down, record their 3D movements, etc. You know, even, uh, you know, 20 years ago, people had no clue that uh, sperm whales communicated with each other. And the beautiful thing is they need to communicate with each other because they need to know who their friends are and who their enemies are in order to survive. And part of that is because when mom goes way deep down to die for food, someone has to babysit baby on the top. Now, this is the Moby Dick whale that we humans think of as this sort of evil monster of the deep. It's a matrilineal society that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. And I guess that leads to the ethical question. You know, great, we know this science. We have this knowledge. What does it all mean? To me, one of the things it means is that if you really understand and believe that an animal thinks and feels, you may actually have to care about how you treat it. It's easy to sort of look at pigs and chickens, whether you're vegan or whether you eat them, regardless, and say, well, who cares how we house them? They're just pigs and chickens. But if you understand that each animal is an individual with a personality uh, and uh, learning capabilities incredibly bright in its own way, you're going to maybe think differently that uh, they need better housing, They that we have to care about them. I mean, even fish, that's what surprised me the most. Uh, there's a whole book out now called What a Fish Knows by Jonathan Balcombe because the science into fish intelligence is just blossoming now. Maybe the only reason hummingbirds never developed uh, advanced uh, nuclear science and computers is because they figured they didn't need them. <laughs> right. But their sense of spatial location, uh, mental mapping and navigation uh, is incredibly complex. Mm. And in, in fact, that I think that's, I mean, that's one of the, despite the advantage that's allowed us to more or less take control of this planet for better or worse, uh, is actually an area where hu the human's advantage is our ability to use tools to make up for our very giant, com when compared, you know, apples to apples to the rest of the natural world, are quite 
extreme deficiencies in many of these areas. I mean, it, there there are no animals. Uh, there are no, there, there, I shouldn't say that. That's a far too sweeping statement. Mm. There are. Ma- it's easy to come up with an incredibly long list of animals that have incredibly better sight, you know, memory in certain circumstances. And use tools. Ability to there do are it. animals Using who tools. use tools. Yeah. Uh, they haven't used it to create, you know, machine guns. Uh, and I think maybe that should count as a piece of credit in their favor as opposed to against them. But it's interesting because you were mentioning media before before. And uh, one thing I want to mention is uh, that's why it's important, especially for younger people to, to, I think, care about the CBC and programs specifically like the nature of things, which is still looking at science, okay, and, and is doing it uh, on for the benefit of the taxpayer and everybody else in the country. Um, because who's going to tell these stories? I, I I was going to jump in uh, just because I, I had I was one thought a while ago, which I think I, I remain I always come back to when you have these conversations about these intelligent animals, uh, which is this idea of like when you think of dolphins uh, and and ha- you know they're the quintessential like oh dolphins are so smart and like everyone basically thinks they're the second smartest creature in the world at whether or not that's uh, like, I'm sure that part of that probably is like we are more able to understand the ways they're intelligent or not, but when you think about the difference between what would happen to humans if we could if didn't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> right, like, like, what, what good use is our big brain if we can never write anything down? Uh, I can never keep anything else. Like, what, like, if, there's a completely different question of, of of what you could possibly even do with with with, with our level of intelligence it, it, without the ability, because we know dolphins talk to each other. Hmm. We, like, that's a thing we know. So, the, uh, dolphins almost certainly have an oral history, uh, but the idea of just like what they don't have is typewriters because they can't type, and that, that seems silly. But I, th- I think that it's a fundamental thing to think about is that humans have other advantages outside of the fact that like that we think we're smarter than everyone um and at some point the dolphins just might say so long and thanks for all the fish well was, uh, to follow off that i was concerned i think the next logical question is what happens if someone was to give dolphins opposable thumbs <laughs> we're, we're, balance we of are, power we are doomed <laughs> all right uh Lure, i'm gonna give you the last word i know you wanted to do a shout out for people to join you in social media and then we'll go to neil for our second and final music break yeah we'd love it actually if you have a picture or a story uh about um an animal you think is smart uh, or you know is smart, uh, it can be your cat or dog, but it can be your fish too. Um, please uh, post it on your social media. Uh, use the uh, hashtag think like an animal and uh, follow uh, the film's Twitter uh, at think underscore animal dot doc and go to the CBC Nature Things website to learn more and watch Thursday at 8 please. Absolutely. And we will have links to all of that information as well on the show post. Thank you so much for joining us for your segment, Laura. You may or may not jump in in a minute still, but uh, as far as the uh, talking about the documentary is concerned, thank you very much. Thanks for, your for time. having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, Neil, we've, we've cycled out. We, uh, I forgot what the hockey term is for this. Help me out, Stephen. You, cha- you shift change. We did a shift change. Thank you. So yeah, hey, sports. Neil's joining us. What's <laughs> yeah. up, Neil? Uh, I've just gotten word that the phone lines have gone dead. Oh, so uh, please call in and and uh, support the show, support the radio station. Um, we still just want to make four four hundred more dollars in, in donations in the next uh, little while. So please call in. Um, well, I think the big key thing there is that it's hard to call in while you're listening. So that's why we're going to give them an opportunity now with a music break. Music break. I should, also, I should also apologize to all the people named Tim. Uh, so if your name is Tim, please do call in still. <laughs> Yeah, so I just wanted to say what I really appreciate about this show and why I think you should uh, call in to support the show is uh, lately there's been a lot of support uh, and a lot of conversation around issues like uh, what's happening at Standing Rock and other uh, efforts by land defenders. 
And I think it really shows the inseparable relationship between race, ongoing systems of colonialism, and uh, social exclusion, and how we can't separate that from environmental issues. Um, and sort of, sort of like the conversation we're talking about animals here today. So uh, I just really encourage people uh, to donate and support the show so we can keep uh, really important, interesting conversations like this going in, in the future. Um, so the song that we're going to play next is a song by Tassio Mansi, and the song's called Missoula. And Tassio Mansi is going to be playing in Toronto next Wednesday, November 23rd. You're in the home stretch here. This is the Green Majority Radio Program coming to you live on CIUT 89.5 FM. Of course, this is the fall fundraising drive. I hope you took that opportunity to uh, call in uh, to go to the website as well, make your donation. All of donations are appreciated. We've actually, we did, in fact, that last appeal did incite the, the phone into a little bit more uh, ringing action. Uh, however, I'm sure it is uh, was not for people named Tim. No. So uh, if think- your name is Tim or if your name is not Tim. Uh, we will still accept. You can call in right now, 416-946-7800. As we do our last final little stretch here, of course, and uh, the website, of course, I think a lot of, I think a lot more people tend to use the website these days. I think that's well. where Tim is going. I think Tim's yeah. going to CIUT.FM slash donate now. Donate but just today. if you feel like it, because then we get more instant gratification, you could call. But also feel free to go to CIUT.FM as well, uh, and that will be there. So, Stefan, we're going to go into our final stretch now, and I've sort of... I've sort of earmarked this as the international section because I really didn't want to call it the Trump section. That's reasonable. Uh, but largely, we're talking about Trump. Uh, I'm so I, I basically I, I have a statement about Trump, and then we'll talk about Trump. Okay. My statement about Trump is that, uh, to a degree, I think talking about people's reactions to Trump uh, makes sense. Right. I think talking about what Ban Ki Moon and what the uh, the Chinese ambassador and and uh, and uh, what well, everyone what everyone's doing as a result of Trump, I think it makes sense to talk about that. I think it also makes sense, and we're going to in a second do both of these things. Uh, I think it also makes sense to talk about uh, picks 
for for important positions throughout the government because I think that is where largely what's going to come. What I don't think is useful, and what unless there's a really good reason to do so, I'm I'm just not going to do. Stefan can make up his own mind. Mm-hmm. This is a democracy show, more or less, <laughs> within reason. Um, because I said so. Well, I, 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 <laughs> during the music break, I did say I would I would bow to the Tim lobby. So That's perhaps right, you yeah. want to keep some sort of control, right? Okay. So well, it's a, no, it's a democracy between us. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, uh, largely. <laughs> um, but so what I don't feel like there's any point in doing though is responding to things Trump actually says because if the one thing it was made clear, I think above all others, uh, was that. Trump has no uh, was a sort of a, a two corollary points, which is that Trump is a pathological liar mm-hmm. uh, and probably doesn't even remember most of the things that he says. Um, and so and and he and he changes his mind every five seconds and he demonstrated that that's not relevant. So he has like positive reinforcement that it doesn't matter if you constantly uh, say things that are contradictory or constantly go back into word that the people that supported him uh, don't care. So I don't see unless there's a unless there's an additional reason that I think is relevant that there's any point and we will not waste any any of our time or any of our listeners time uh, talking about statements Trump makes. Uh, we will talk about policies that get put forward. We will talk about uh, the, the picks for the government and we will talk about the, what the international community is going to do to work around him. Uh, but that is my position. Did you have something to add? Uh, I was just going to say that I, I believe it was either earlier today or yesterday. He tweeted out a fact that he'd been called by the, by someone from Ford and told him that because of his election, he wasn't going to move his factory to Mexico uh, only for it to be revealed within, within basically immediately that that factory was never going to move anywhere um, and, 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 and had Ford itself come out and statement saying that was never going to be a thing. Uh, well, so and, and he, the, this was a tweet he actually sent out. And then, of course, now there's fake news sites everywhere going on it, going about how he saved all these jobs, which were never in danger in the first place. Right. But, I, but if, uh, you know, if, if Hillary had won, we, uh, know. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Is, we're not going to waste anybody's time with no. that. So we've got uh, – what do we got here? We've got 10 minutes. I'm going to have one more pitch right at the end of the show. Uh, if you're listening as well, you know the information you can call in, go to the website, cot.fm, while we go through this final news. So uh, one of the things, there's a couple of things which I think really are important. One of them uh, is that the person who's been put in charge, or it looks like they're going to be put in charge, I guess everything is is still tentative technically at this point, uh, is Myron Ebel, who is a director for the, uh, and you're going to have to imagine my fingers making scare quotes uh, (laughs) uh, here, Competitive Enterprise Institute. You think they could come up with like less obviously (laughs) BS, like, (laughs) names for their organizations uh he's also the chair now this is a good one too the chair of the cooler heads coalition oh there you, it, go. you know it, it really makes me good when uh when you know industry funded shills uh have minorly clever uh <laughs> titles they can pun they're, they're good at punning that's fine. but here's the, i mean we can insult this guy all day but here's what here's what actually matters you know uh, aside from you know personal feelings uh is that this is a person put in charge of uh not only large as can have an incredible amount of power on climate is going to be in charge of the environmental protection agency uh which Trump didn't even know the name of during the election. But more importantly, this is somebody who does not have any science degree. This is somebody who has a degree in economics. So regardless, they could be the best econo- they could be the best economist in the world. They could be the smartest, they could be the head of their field. They have absolutely zero qualifications. I could go out and throw a rock out of the window right now and hit someone with the equivalent or better qualifications to be the head of the EPA. Fair, we're, we're actually situated on a, uh, on a university campus. Well, the that's why that that. Someone, has taken, <laughs> someone has taken a course in science. I wouldn't make that statement if we were sitting anywhere. All right. All right. But as far as where we're sitting. So, I mean, this is, and this is something, I, and we're going to come back to this on another show. I, I want to keep going and try and stick as closely to the news.
news on here as well with our limited time. But this is something I want to come back to, which was, you know, where to, when I, I have sort of a running theme of a controversial opinion that uh, democracy is not applicable in all situations. <laughs> uh, and this is a situation where I don't think it should be possible. And I'm not an American. So, uh, I mean, the Americans, we can worry about their system. But we should take issue we should take notice of this and this should be something that's like in our constitution or make some sort of amendment where not all positions but there are certain positions where people with certain qualifications should be the only ones considered you have to be part of the national academy of sciences you have to be the top of your field to even be allowed to be in charge of something that's about that i mean why don't you just go and put uh john boehner in charge of nasa Right. Why don't you just go pick a random CEO of like a, a random, uh, you know, company uh, that makes uh, children's toys uh, and put them in charge of the, the Food and Drug Administration? Like this is this is absolutely it, it's not just even, you know, corrosive or evil. It's it's it, it's it shows such a, a overwhelming lack of understanding about even just how things are going to do not because this guy's going to do things i don't like but because he doesn't have the ability to do the job at any capacity i, I want to point out that the american people literally just voted for a gentleman uh who are who you know what, what was your past experience leading anything uh, leading any people at all i bankrupted a bunch of companies yeah i i, I will build a wall that is not an answer to the question <laughs> yeah and he also said he's not going to uh, we just said we weren't going to do yes, this. Right. okay moving on um so the other thing as well uh is that there was a a very uh there was a staged a very obviously staged uh show uh at the on the last day here uh of uh, some famous uh, climate science deniers over at uh, in Marrakesh on the last day they were uh, this was in so obviously set up uh, a bunch of people who did not it's extremely well known and of course we know that uh, from covering it for years here it's also they make it extremely clear that unauthorized demonstrations because they're international heads of state uh, will not be allowed uh, they have a very easy and I believe it's actually an incredibly short timeline to authorize uh, protests or actions of any types around a climate meeting uh, I, I believe I read although don't quote me on this that it was as, as low as 15 days which I think considering the implications uh, is an incredibly quick turnaround to get permission to do uh, a, a demonstration here. But people associated with uh, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, yes, that's the same enterprise, uh, enterprise uh, that's the same institute that Myron Ebel, who's uh, probably going to be the now uh, in charge of uh, the EPA, uh, went there and uh, basically set up a protest that was obviously going to get shut down to rip up the climate agreement and basically make a stage. They even uh, uh, gave uh, a clownish news agency a hack clown news agency, that, which I will not mention uh, as well in Canada, uh, the opportunity to go out and be like, look, they're shutting us down. They're shutting us down. It was entirely staged. Uh, entirely staged, entirely intentional. Uh, they wanted to have that framing of them being thrown out of the climate agreement. Uh, this is the type of people that we've got there. So what are, what are other people doing about it? That's what I think is really important here. So we're going to have to just wait and see with Trudeau. He seemed like he was being uh, smart in some areas. He seemed like he was being proactive. In others, he said, uh, he, we don't have time to really get into it, but he said some really, I think, terrifying things, uh, very complacent things, um, about, you know, well, well, you know, it, it's probably not that bad. We'll find out a way to work with him that really scare me because um, they seem to contradict everything that Trudeau says he's about with regards to Donald Trump. But China, I think, is really the biggest leader here, which is that China has come out and said, first of all, which I think is hilarious, they were just like, um, by, as, if, like as if he's a serious person. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, you guys know that you started the climate talks, right? And that we couldn't have possibly made it up as a way to steal, because there's, of course, that, that line that, uh, that 
tweet uh, that Trump accused China of inventing climate change uh, to hurt uh, Chinese manufacturing when in fact uh, you can read the article for the actual history but essentially the Americans were the ones that instigated through the IPCC that there be climate meetings in the first place so I mean that's how good they are at coming up with schemes is they yeah. time traveled and then tricked them into doing it that would hurt themselves yeah. really amazing deal uh, for China there but what's the really important part sarcasm aside is that China is going to as, as basically said all right, Americans, you do what you're going to do. Um, we are going to act on climate anyway, uh, which brings up some interesting implications, Stefan, about uh, where where a serious Canadian uh, voting public and a serious Canadian government might have to start shifting their uh, talks to uh, if they're serious about dealing with climate change, which I've remained skeptical at. Uh, I, I'm not skeptical that they want to appear to be doing something about climate change. I remain skeptical that they're willing to do what's necessary to deal with climate change. If they are, and this political landscape stays the way it is, it is very likely that we're going to have to be uh, create a slightly closer relationship with mm. China. I think that's just part of what's in the cards right well, now. Well, I, I think what's interesting, actually, this lets me tie in uh, one last thing about uh, that, that, that I want to get want to cover, which is that um, the one thing Trump will do that I think that that, that that many progressives will 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 support is that he's against the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He will. He, he's he's coming against it um, now. The now there's still a, a there's also there's a rally on the 26th, sort of as Canadians come out and say to come out and also come out against it uh, on it. The really lead now called the TPP Public Tea Party. Um, it's a day of action November 26. You can check that out on their Facebook page. Uh, but what I, what's interesting about this is that the combination of, of of Trump backing out of the TPP and his different measures and 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 what's in sort of way you see China taking a lead on this on other things. I think sets up the stage for because if the Trans-Pacific Partnership was one thing, uh, it was perhaps one of the greatest examples of American imperialism uh, of, of basically saying like, OK, all of our rules are going to be the rules now. It was it was largely, as I, as I said on a previous show, a large part of it was it was foreign policy against China. Uh, and and I think a combination of, of of Trump sort of pulling America out of of a lot of a lot of the global conversations. He, he's he was very isolationist in his in his conversations, uh, rejecting this trade, and then also sort of pulling himself out of these other conversations to do with you know whether or not it's it's climate change and stuff like that. What you could very well see the next four years be the beginning of the transition of power away from the United States and into and into China. Um, you know, it's, it, people have started predicting that for a while, but I think this could end up you know speeding it up in the ways mm. and so and you know china has a carbon market that's that will be the largest carbon market when it opens and that suddenly becomes a whole that changed the game uh and there's a whole new conversation there so i think we, so we only have a minute left i have one final comment and then we'll give you a last chance to call in and support the show so here's some things to look for this is not a prediction but this is just some things to look at so the last news item here we won't get into it but i'll just tell you what it is which is that california is looking uh for ways there have been some people saying that no it's not possible but some other uh, people who have actually looked into the actual history and documentation and the precedent set seem to think that it is so we'll have to wait and see but it's possible that california could actually apply to be a, an official signatory and an official member on its own independent of the american government to the u.n climate talks now this has potentially huge implications and leads to this is all have what we have time for but leads to two possible implications which was do we see potentially and i know this will sound extreme but so did you think a, a year ago that donald trump would be elected of an actual fracturing uh, over time of of the, the united states itself is it possible to hold them together with such a person as donald trump at the helm i ask you this is it possible another thing is if uh, the americans moved more towards russia 
Trudeau is better than I think he is and keeps to his commitments and through doing that maybe has to move towards China. What sort of a geopolitical situation are we looking at where Canada has a better relationship with China than it does with the U.S. and the U.S. has a better relationship with Russia than it does with China? How is the, how is the balance of power going to balance out? So we're in for a real, well, if nothing else, Stefan, it's going to be exciting. It's, an, it, it's the curse of living in interesting times. All right. Well, that unfortunately is all the time we have for it. This is a great opportunity. The show is over, but you still have time to call in and show uh, uh, CIUT that they you support our program that you support what they do and the work that everybody here does uh, Alex and Neil our techs as well as all as, uh, uh, as well as all of our other volunteers you can call in right now tell them you support the green majority and that you support independent media here through CIUT 89.5 FM 416-946-7800 you can also call toll free at one 204 8976 but I believe that most of you will be going online because it is 2016 that's CIUT.FM uh, to sign up and donate and make sure that you tell them you love the green majority thank you so much for listening to the show and uh stefan of course have a good green week thanks tim and thanks tim and all the tims and all our donors <laughs> thank you so much uh we'll be right back with you next week but for now take care